So Money Episode 22, Dr. Greg Wells. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Today, a very cool guest. His name is Dr. Greg Wells. He is a scientist, broadcaster, author, coach, and athlete. He's dedicated his career to better health and performance. Dr. Wells is an assistant professor of kinesiology at the University of Toronto, where he studies elite sports performance. He also serves as an associate scientist of physiology and experimental medicine at the Hospital for Sick Children, where he helps research how to use exercise to prevent, diagnose, and treat chronic illness in children. Now, on top of all of the amazing and truly important work that he's doing, Dr. Wells is also the author of a great book called Super Bodies, Peak Performance Secrets from the World's Best Athletes. And it's an exploration on how genetics, as well as your DNA, the brain, muscles, lungs, heart, and blood all work in concert uh, in extreme conditions. Another cool fact about Dr. Wells is that he was invited to go and commentate at the last couple of Olympics as a sports science analyst. So very, very diverse platform he has. Three takeaways from this interview and why I wanted to bring him on the show. One, he talks about how to take emotion out of investing, a very kind of scientific approach, a health approach. Two, how to prioritize for maximum performance, something that we all seek in our lives. How do we really figure out what to do first and how to really have the most uh, efficient output. And finally, why investing in yourself pays off. I mean, I have my own ideas about investing in yourself. It's one of my top tips for people who want to uh, find more wealth, become more successful, be happier, invest in yourself. He brings his own perspective and it's really, really interesting. Without further ado, you're going to love this. Here is Dr. Greg Wells. Greg, welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you. Yeah, it's so great to be with you. Thanks a lot. Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are and some of the exciting projects that you've got currently underway. Wow, it's been a long, hard road and uh, things are going really well now and I'm, I'm quite excited. So in general, what I do is I'm a scientist at SickKids Hospital in Toronto. I'm building up a program called Exercise Medicine where we use exercise to prevent, diagnose and treat chronic illnesses in kids with cancer and cystic fibrosis. Then the other half of my life is spent at the University of Toronto, here in in Toronto, Canada, where I do research on high-performance sport, and I study world-class elite athletes, and we try to figure out how to help them become even higher and higher performers. And then out of all of that, uh, I've also been able to go and commentate the last couple of Olympics as a sports science analyst, so I've gotten to travel and be immersed in the Olympic world and around some of the most incredible performers uh, ever in history. And so I've really been spending the last four or five years trying to take all that information that we've learned from our research at the hospital and the research on the elite athletes, the real extremes of what humans are capable of, and then distilling that back down into what everybody can do to be healthier, fitter, perform at a higher level and be more successful in their personal lives and their work lives and their family lives. So it's a, it's a really exciting time and it's a lot of fun. You actually have a new book called Super Bodies. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, Super Bodies I wrote right after the 2010 Olympics. And what I did there was I pulled out uh, all of the science, the research about how the human body works in extreme conditions and uh, showed people sort of the inside physiology, took people on a tour inside the body and, and un tried to uncover the secrets of world-class performance in a way that people could understand. And that did really well. It's actually just hit bestseller status recently, so that's really exciting. Congratulations. And the, yeah, thanks. And that uh, has led to the next book, which I'm writing at the moment, which should be out in the fall of 2015. And that's really going to be a, a bit more focused on really practical applications for things that people can do in their day-to-day -day lives to perform at a higher level, specifically around sleeping better, eating better, exercising better, thinking at a higher level, and, and really getting the most out of themselves in terms of it being able to perform uh, and, reach, and reach their personal potential. Well, I think you'll agree with me that maintaining and leading a healthy life and lifestyle uh, also involves uh, managing your money well and thinking clearly about your finances and the direction you want to take your money. So I'd love to transition now to my So Money Q&A, and I'm not sure how often you know this topic of money comes up in your line of work, but I have a feeling you might have some really, really deep insights to share with us. And, and the first question I'd like to ask guests is more or less a philosophical one, which is, what is your money mantra, and, and why is it important to you? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I think that financial health is, is absolutely critical. We can't worry only about physical health, mental health. We also have to worry about our, our financial health. And I really relate that back to sort of internal and external wealth. It's critical that we build up our internal wealth by taking care of ourselves. Uh, but it's also critical that we build up our external wealth to make sure that we're safe, to make sure that we're able to do the things that we want to do and to make sure that we can get to our dreams. I was given loads of opportunities to go after a different life, to go after a really exceptional life by my parents who supported me at various critical stages as I was growing up. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be at the Titan Summit uh, last two weeks ago. And, and uh, interestingly enough, Richard Branson was there. And the final question that they asked Richard Branson, who's one of the most successful entrepreneurs, obviously you know, incredibly wealthy, was, you know, Richard, after all of the things that you've learned in your entire career, what do you think the most important thing is? He said something really interesting that I believe in. He said, uh, first of all, the single most important thing in your life is your health. The second most important thing in your life is your family. And then you want to obviously be as successful as you possibly can in business. And really that is, for me, the three main areas that I believe are absolutely critical. And that gets down to that whole idea of internal and external wealth. And that's really how I try to guide our day-to-day -day decision making. You want to live an incredible life, but at the same time, you want to build up internal and, and external wealth. So your health, your family, and your success, in other words, your career, your money, um, how do you prioritize those things? Yeah, that's, that's tough, and I actually call it priority management. I actually, it's part of one of the components of our, our program that we teach is getting people away from time management and into priority management. And Something really interesting happened to me a couple of years ago. I was uh, moving houses. We'd made a significant shift in terms of where we were, we were going to be living. So we'd sold our house. We were moving. Apparently, that's stressful. Who knew? <laughs> I was launching my, my new book. I was setting up a new lab at U of T, a new lab at, at SickKids. I was getting ready to leave and go commentate the Olympic Games. Uh, I was changing jobs. Like, it was just a completely insane time of life, all of which was incredibly successful. Every single thing was fantastic in terms of becoming more successful financially, becoming more successful from a career perspective, moving our family to a better place. 
But the problem was, because I was working so hard, I got so run down. I wasn't sleeping well, I wasn't eating well, wasn't training enough, and I got, ended up getting really sick. Uh, I ended up getting a viral infection that went into my heart and caused some viral myocarditis, ended up in the hospital in the cardiac ward, uh, and it took me almost a year to recover from that. And during the recovery period, I actually made a significant shift where I moved from the priority being, in this order, work, family, health, and training, and actually flipped it around. Started doing and working on health first, unless I was eating well and training, as you can't accomplish what you need to accomplish, making sure that family was the next priority, and then making sure that work was done on, on top of those two, those two things. And what's really fascinating is that when I moved, made that shift in terms of those priorities and flipped health and work around, my work performance actually improved significantly. My success began to become exponentially better. So that was a, an interesting shift. And so I would encourage your listeners to think about that as well because, as I've heard before, people quite often will give away their health to accumulate their wealth. And then once they're wealthy, they'll give away all their wealth in order to regain their health. And we don't want that necessarily to happen. We want to be able to do both at the same time. And I believe that that's entirely possible. I have a little story that chimes in with that. So in college, I was a workaholic and I, you know, to the point where I almost like had to take a year off or some time off because I just had, I, I was overworked from academics to actual work. And, um, my senior year, I just decided, you know what? I'm going to take minimal credits, and I took yoga every single day. And it was the first time in my entire four-year college experience that I scored a 4.0. And I don't even remember working that hard to get that 4.0. But the, the, what I do remember is being in my best shape ever in my life in that, you know, in that year, just being really attentive to my physical health and eating well and sleeping and, um, of course I was, I was taking on a more moderate load of courses, but I, I was sharper. I was more attentive. I was, um, I was smarter. I was, I just, I was performing academically far better. And I think for me, that's a, that's something that I will never forget. And I use that as a model as I am currently, you know, taking on a several million projects and sometimes not sleeping enough. And I've got a kid now and, but you know, I saw the proof right then and there that when you can, focus more on your health and you prioritize your health, a lot of the other chips will fall into place. It is. And it's not so much prioritizing your health, although that is absolutely critical, but something that you, were, you said a number of times in that story, it was that you were performing at your best. And that's really key, I believe. That's what I want to try to encourage people to think about is how do you actually perform at a world-class level at your job, in your career, with your family every single day as often as you possibly can? And if you are performing at your absolute best, if you're pushing the limits of what you personally are capable of, if you're recovering and regenerating like the best athletes in the world do these days, they spend as much, if not more, energy on sleeping, nutrition, recovery and regeneration as they do on training. If we take that same principle and apply it to our professional lives, we can achieve some amazing things. Our success will be, I believe, exponentially greater than it would be if you just simply go in and slog it out all day, every single day. And that's a fundamental shift that I believe is happening in the workplace. It's a term I call being a corporate Olympian. It's just taking the ideas of being a world-class athlete and applying it in the business world to ensure that you are as successful as you can possibly be. And if that happens, then financial success, money, et cetera, will all follow because you're going to be achieving at a different level. Absolutely agree. Take us back, Greg. What's a, a money memory that you have that stands out still to this day that, 
in some way, shape, or form uh, transformed, shaped, influenced the way that you think about money today? Wow. Um, probably two major things that have sort of shaped my my money feelings. Uh, the first one is obviously when I was growing up, uh, my dad taking me down to set up my first bank account and getting that book where you got to see that every single time that you made a deposit, that money would grow. And I, you know, got my daily interest savings account and it just would, I was amazed that if you actually just left your money alone and let it grow, that it would grow sort of automatically by itself and you'd make money just by having money. That was a pretty in- incredible uh, moment for me. And so I became very early on a saver, which has been fantastic. Uh, And then I guess the second phase was when I was uh, at university training to make the Olympic team and sacrificed just about everything that uh, I could in order to do that, which means I wasn't working. I was just training and going to school. Uh, At that point, things were very, very difficult financially. None of my friends had any money. We were, you know, starving athletes. And after graduating, I was like, that's never happening again. I'm not going to allow myself to ever be put in that sort of financial stress ever again. And and I've now gone through and... I'm fortunate my wife and I are on exactly the same page, and we're very, you know, we're very conservative. We're not trying to hit home runs. We're just trying to get base hits every single month and move ourselves ahead and be uh, as, as rigorous as we can about allocating a percentage of our income every single month to savings, making sure that the savings are as strategic as we can possibly make them and, and, and try to get ahead that way. And it's, it's going really well. We're really happy, and uh, you know, that's the approach that we've taken, and probably a, that approach is as a result of those two moments that happened earlier on in my life. How about a financial fail, Greg? As you must know in your line of work when it comes to building on our successes, we learn from failure. We learn from not um, getting what we want initially and, and learning our mistakes. What was a financial failure for you? And while you were at it, what's the silliest or craziest thing you've ever bought? Oh, well... I really like bicycles, so I have a bike that's probably worth far more than my car, and uh, like it's actually a pedal bike. I like triathlon bikes, I like road bikes, they're extremely expensive, and they're, every time my wife sees me pull that thing out, she just shakes her head, and, but you know what, it brings me incredible amounts of happiness, I just love it, and uh, my friends are into it too, so we spend a lot of stupid money on bikes, but you know, it's fitness, so that's how I justify it, and as you know, I'm... I don't drink a lot. I don't do any of those. I don't waste a huge amount of money. So that's how I, that's how I be a little bit ridiculous. And so um, in terms of a financial fail, I think that it's a financial fail that a lot of people have made recently. And that was uh, investing far too much in mutual funds that have fees that are, that are too high, very high management fees and not realizing uh, the impact that that would have. So Recently, we've corrected that and we've gone into a little bit more of an approach where we're doing ETFs and trying to really minimize the management fees of our of our investments and also take the emotion out of it, just making sure that we're investing consistently, we're investing unconsciously, we're uh, investing in such a way that gets us ahead and, and tracks the market yet minimizes our, our management fees. So that's... Uh, Something that I came about just when you when we started to look at our results on an annual basis, and we were just like, well, how come we're not, you know, getting ahead? Where how come? Where is all of this going? And when we broke it down and started looking at uh, transaction fees and management fees, we realized we were losing two to three percent on on it. Despite the fact, you know, the market may have moved eight or nine percent, we were getting much less than that. Uh, so that's been a big shift that we've made recently, and it seems to be paying off, although the market's done very well this year, so it's been a little bit easier. But uh, hopefully that continues moving on in the future. 
Good catch. You know, I actually interviewed Tony Robbins uh, for my inaugural episode of So Money, and he, he his book's Money, Master of the Game, talks excessively about the dangers of fees and, and really that the average American has no idea, no idea how much they're paying in fees. And, you know, 2 3% doesn't sound like a lot, but compounded over 35, 40 years, if you're starting to invest in your 20s, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, lost. Yes, absolutely. And my wife is 10 years younger than me. And so, you know, she's starting out her professional career as a, as a healthcare professional as well. So she fortunately has, you know, caught this 10 years earlier than I have. She's going to be in great shape. Uh, and I've read Tony Robbins' book, which I really enjoyed. And that reinforced that decision that we've made. And uh, believe it or not, even my dad, who uh, was, was in banking uh, for his career, uh, he only really moved into that approach uh, after he retired. And uh, it's made a huge difference for him in terms of being able to maintain a lifestyle. And so I think it's absolutely crucial that people become aware of that because it can be a real parachute on your, or sort of a drag, I guess is a better way of saying it, a real drag on your ability to take advantage of compound interest. And we're really just going after slow, steady, consistent growth and slow, steady, consistent investing uh, say, it's exactly the same approach that we use with athletes. You can't suddenly train hard for three weeks right before the Olympic Games and ex- expect to be successful. It's the people who are training at a world-class level every single day for 10 years that are the ones that are going to be the best. And that's exactly the approach that we're taking to to our, our financial uh, development at this point mm-hmm. in time. And it seems to be working out really well. And it's the first thing I'm going to teach my daughter when she gets a little bit older as well, is how to do that so that she can take advantage of it early on in her life. Boring is sometimes better. Yeah, I mean, if we hit a home run and, and the business that we're that I'm creating right now really takes off, and then that's fantastic, and it just allows us to get us get us there a little bit little bit sooner. But uh, really, the guarantee, there's one way that's absolutely guaranteed, and if you run the numbers over the period of time that I want to be be working and having a career and 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 living a great life and going on adventures every single year and allowing my family to go off and have incredible experiences and those sorts of things. And this is the approach that uh, I believe will enable us to be able to, to do that. And mm-hmm. although I'm not a financial specialist, it's not my, my realm, uh, I believe, again, like I said at the very beginning, that internal and external wealth are completely linked and you have to be working on both of them at the same time. So as much as we work on our physical and mental health, we're now working on our financial health, and that's the approach that uh, you're right. It's not... It's not sexy. It's not exciting. There's no fireworks. It's just absolutely, <laughs> totally consistent. And uh, if we can t- stick with it over an extended period of time, we will end up ahead. Well, I want to talk about rituals in a moment, sort of habits that are important to maintaining your financial uh, health. But first, what's a so money moment, Greg, that uh, time in your life where you had a financial win? And take us to that moment and, and share with us what you learned. Yeah, it's probably happening right now, to be completely honest with you. It's a period of time where I've spent the last four to five years just reinvesting, reinvesting, reinvesting back into the company and back into my own growth and development. Uh, you know, when I've, when I've had some additional cash, I've reinvested that back into uh, voice coaching, into acting coaching, into public speaking coaching, into rebuilding the, my website, into, uh, you know, learning how to write and and just in constantly reinvesting back into myself to take advantage of 
the opportunities that I have around public speaking, around getting out into the media, into reshaping the world as I want to do, which making it the you know making the world healthier and fitter. And so now that all of that's been done, uh, and it's been a long, hard runway for the last four years where we've kept things really lean, and I've just like I said reinvested everything back into growth development and and the organization. It really feels like right now things are starting to take off. We've got a great client base. Uh, public speaking is going exceptionally well. My labs at the university and sick kids are solid. We have an excellent foundation. We're well funded. Uh, so all of the foundations are are set now, and uh, the, I feel like the plane has taken off, and things are exploding exponentially. And I'm really, really, really excited about the future. And uh, that's that's where we are now. I believe that that so money moment is actually happening right as we speak. And you're based uh, out in Canada, but you're going to be making the transition to the states this year. We're very excited for you. Yeah, I can't. I'll, you know, I've got family and friends in the U.S., and it's been a lot of fun working uh, really hard in Canada. And because I commentated 2010 and 2012 uh, at the Olympic Games, and that got huge exposure in Canada because we hosted the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, uh, my exposure in Canada has been great. And I think that that's given me the opportunity to refine the message, uh, gain an incredible amount of experience in, in media and communication and in, in knowledge translation, taking the science, taking the research of the human body and converting that into uh, material and, 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 and messages that people can consume and take advantage of and, and use to really improve their own lives. And I want to be able to take that to the United States. I want to be able to take that to India. I want to be able to take that to the UK and Britain uh, Australia really now explode all over the world and really help people to live a world-class life because all over the planet we're having such challenges related to lack of sleep, uh, poor nutrition, lack of physical activity. This isn't just a Canadian issue. This is a world issue. And uh, I think that the information that we have, the knowledge that we have, the aspiration and inspiration that we can provide for people can really change a lot of lives. And uh, the U.S. is next on my list of places to go and, and impact. So I'm really excited about 2015. We're going to have we're going to have a great year, no doubt. All right, Greg, let's talk about rituals and habits. Obviously, a big component to maintaining a healthy, fit lifestyle. What about for you? What would be a healthy um, a financial habit that helps you maintain your financial health? Yeah, for us, it's honestly it's a monthly ritual, and it's. Again, it's so boring, but what we do is we just make sure absolutely every single month there's an automatic withdrawal out of our account. It's a certain amount. Uh, we put in a certain amount for each of our two children, which in Canada gets called an RESP, Registered Education Savings Plan, and the government can match to a certain degree what you put in. So that's an automatic withdrawal from our account. We never see it. It's gone. And my daughter, who's five now, has a huge amount of money in her account, which she can use for college. So... That's the very, very first thing that we've done. And then also we do that for ourselves every single month. Both uh, my wife and I have automatic withdrawals so that there's no discussion, there's no emotion, there's a certain amount that leaves our account and uh, gets divided into the, the four ETFs that we've, that we've chosen to go after that are spread between uh, domestic and international. And uh, there's a certain percentage, obviously, that are in bonds, but... Uh, which we're going to keep just in case there's a market crash that we can take advantage mm-hmm. of and, and jump in uh, to, to move more on to the sort of exchange-traded you know, market uh, funds that are available. So 
that's really the financial habit that we've instilled and it's unconscious and that's the key thing is that it's a little thing that is not emotional. It's automatic regardless of whether or not we have a good month or a bad month or we're busy or we're not busy. It's happening and uh, we're making sure that that happens. Once a year we'll go in and, and check and make sure that things are allocated properly but we're trying to make it as unconscious and as consistent as we possibly can. If I may ask, what is your investment rate or savings rate? How much of your income do you dedicate to the future, to saving or, or investing in the future for your family? If it's 10%, yeah. 50%, I'm always curious. It was 10% up until very recently, and I'm very, very, very fortunate that at the University of Toronto, where I'm a faculty member, we have an incredible pension plan, and so I contribute to that maximally, and then I also will, uh, because I'm able to do some additional work in public speaking and uh, some other areas, uh, be able to take that and also uh, bump that up a little bit. So previously it was uh, 10%, and we've just recently been able to move that up a little bit more. Uh, we've actually... Believe it or not, we're now trying to do 20%. We're being extremely aggressive with it at the moment. Okay, we're almost ready to wrap here, Greg. And before we go, I'd like to end on a fun note, a series of so many fill-in-the-blanks where I start off a sentence and you finish it in the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? All right. <laughs> okay. Great. You've been a real trooper. If I won the lottery tomorrow, say $100 million, the first thing I would do is? Book a trip around the world. What's the first country you'd visit? Uh, I, I absolutely love South America. All so right. it's not a country, but I, you know, Colombia yeah. was incredible. I went to Bogota recently and had the time of my life. It was just phenomenal. I love Chile and Argentina are both amazing countries. Peru has some of the best archaeology in, in the world. So <laughs> that's where the tour would start would be South America. Obviously Africa is incredible and I haven't actually spent much time in Southeast Asia. So it would just be a long, slow, gradual exploration of the world it would be phenomenal. Amazing. All right, the one thing that I, Greg, spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is? <laughs> I, don't know about, I don't know about easier, but definitely better. I love sports gear. So I've got a <laughs> paddleboard in my living room. I've got a, you know, a bike on the trainer. I've got another bike downstairs. That, you know, if I can buy more sports equipment, skis, I will do it, and I absolutely love that. Is there enough time in the day to even attend to all this gear? No, not even remotely close. Like <laughs> I have, it's just a constant battle to find time to go do wicked, cool, fun stuff. Mm. And you know, I drag. I had my daughter out on the paddleboard when she was two years old, learning how to, to how to do it. So you got to fit your family in there. You got to drag them out, uh, kicking and screaming sometimes. But uh, it, it, that's okay. You know, it's life is fun, and there's so many incredible things to do. And you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. So it's all good. <laughs> All right, this might be the same answer, but I'll ask it anyway. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on is? Believe it or not, probably coffees. Like, mm. I really love well, coffee and really amazing red wine. Uh, you know, if I can really enjoy a, a great double espresso from a, a local coffee shop, I will do that. And I know it's not a huge amount of, of money, but I, it, I just love that. And then the other thing is I really like good red wine. Like I'm really into Amarone recently. And so, uh, you know, I will go out and spend a stupid amount of money on a really great bottle of wine for the weekend. And friends come over, yeah, we're, we're going to drink some wine. So those are probably the two things that uh, I, I, I splurge on and that are a little bit guilty for me. 
Well, I totally vouch for wine and coffee, but particularly wine because, like you said, it's it's a centerpiece for getting together with friends and it becomes an experience and hours long. So that 50 or or $100 that you spent, which I would never do anyway, but on a bottle of wine, <laughs> yeah. I have like a $12 limit. But, um, you know, occasionally you go for the splurge, but you know what? You make it into a weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And a friend of mine who's an incredible researcher, Yanni Friedhoff, does a lot of obesity research. He says you got to live the healthiest possible life you can and still enjoy your life, right? And so that's one of the things that we enjoy. I I love sitting back, having a glass of wine on the weekend. If friends come over and sharing that with them over an amazing meal, you know, my my wife and I love to entertain people. And you know what? That's a great way for us to take advantage of how hard we work because we do work really, really hard. We spend a lot of hours at the office and, you know, or even at home working. And so, yeah, we'll go after it and spend amazing time with people, a great conversation. And, uh, you know, when you explore the different wine regions and have wines from different places, you can, it becomes a discussion point. It becomes a learning point. It becomes something that you can really get into and explore. And it's a, it's a hobby and it's a lot of fun. One thing I wish I'd known about money growing up is? Gosh, I wish I had bought real estate earlier. I wish, really wish that there was... Um, now there was an opportunity when I was in my early twenties to buy some property and I didn't do it. And that's probably the biggest mistake that I've made in my life. I'm still mm-hmm. kicking myself oh. over that one. So yeah, that was, uh, that was a big mistake. Buy, buy real estate early and invest early, 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 early and often. I guess Canada wasn't as hard hit in during the housing bust. No, we weren't. And, uh, that's partially because it's funny because initially, you know, Canadian banks were getting hammered uh, because they weren't so conservative in in their lending. And then as soon as the housing bust happened, they were commended because they were so uh, strict about who they were who they were lending to. So it actually paid off for Canada. And we were very fortunate also that here in Toronto, the market never really went down. It just consistently went up, which is uh, you know, good and bad if you're trying to move houses or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, that's. But even in the, when I was talking about, you know, in my my twenties, when I was in and around 2000, uh, you know, the year 2000, that's when there was an opportunity to get into the market for uh, for me here in Toronto, and I decided not to for a number of reasons, all of which I I do regret. And you know, if you look at where things have gone in the subsequent 14 years, we've been on a, you know, we're seven years, uh, seven years into a a seven year run. Like we're, you know, we're 14 years into a lot of growth here. And so it's, it, I look back on that and it really sort of kicked myself every single time I look at those numbers. Well, you know, I think by catching those ugly fees that you were paying, you're sort of making up for that now, you know, you're, you're, you're making some money. You had some hidden money there that you didn't know about that you're now you're producing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It, in the end, everything always works out. We're very fortunate that both Judith, my wife, and I uh, have very solid um, positions. Uh, you know, she's, she's got a great practice. She's a healthcare practitioner. She's got a fantastic practice. I've got a fa- fabulous foundation at the university, and I'm really fortunate right now to have an opportunity to go out there and do uh, additional things, which allow me to positively impact the community and do things that I'm incredibly passionate about and I believe so strongly in. And whenever you do things that you're passionate about, whenever you do things that you believe in, and whenever you do things that allow you to take your knowledge and experiences and help many, many, many people, you are going to be successful. And the outcome of that is is the financial uh, benefits that come along with being successful as well. And just mm-hmm. so it's a really good time. And like I said, finances are the outcome of that, not the pro- not the process. And 
uh, yeah, we're able to catch up a little bit now from some mistakes I made earlier in our lives. But let's face it, I think almost every single person on the planet makes financial mistakes as they're growing up. And what we hopefully can do now is pass those on to our kids and do shows like this where we can help as many people as possible uh, move forwards as quickly as they can to live an incredible world-class life. Here, here. Almost done. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because... Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit, this is a little bit self-promotion-ish, but I have an, a fund that I created at the Hospital for Sick Children. It's a foundation that raises money for exercise as medicine. We use the funds to do research into helping kids with cancer, uh, helping kids with cystic fibrosis, helping kids with obesity. Uh, we're learning an incredible amount about the powerful benefits of exercise for health in children the stuff that we're doing in cancer is just mind-blowing. We're revolutionizing how that disease is treated in children. So that's where I put my philanthropic efforts is into that foundation, into that fund. And uh, it's going exceptionally well, not just in terms of fundraising, but in terms of the impact of that work uh, and the careers that we're creating out of it. We're able to you know, literally create careers by giving scientists who are interested in that area the support that they need to do some uh, amazing research and to come up with some completely revolutionary ways of diagnosing preventing and treating chronic illnesses in children fantastic that is such important work well okay last question why are you so money i'm greg wells and i'm so money because because i just love life like life is so awesome it's so much fun there's such amazing people so many incredible places to go around the world and amazing things to do. And, you know, your health is so critical in being able to go out there and do that and financial health and, you know, that internal and external wealth that we were talking about at the very beginning of the show allows me to do that. So, so money because life is so awesome. Well, we are so appreciative of your time, Dr. Greg Wells. Thank you so much. Best of luck and continued success. Uh, for you, your family, your business in 2015. Everyone, the book is called Super Bodies, Peak Performance Secrets from the World's Best Athletes, and your website is drgregwells.com. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show, and best of luck for you in 2015 as well. Thanks, Greg. That is a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Wells, Greg, you can check out his website, drgregwells.com, and you can also check him out, follow him on Twitter. His handle is at drgregwells. His book, once again, is called Super Bodies, Peak Performance Secrets from the World's Best Athletes. We have all the links for where to find Dr. Wells at somoneypodcast.com, and there, of course, you can find the transcript, the comments from this episode and all episodes. And keep your questions coming. They're fantastic. Just hop on to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, and ask away. Anything. I try to keep it broad and open. We like to talk about money, of course, but don't let that deter you from asking me about career, life, kids, family, my favorite color. Uh, no question is, is, a, is a wrong question. And so I look forward to hearing from you. I try to answer everything on the weekends. Once again, hope you enjoyed the show. I hope your day is so money.